Hi, Kaylin. <laughs> Hi, Kyla. <laughs> um, this is the first episode of Two Readers Tackle Writing. How are you feeling? Excited. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. A, little, a little nervous, maybe? Oh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I guess we should start by introducing ourselves. Um, my name is Kyla. Um, I We both go to Fordham University. Um, I'm a senior <laughs> and I study new media and digital design and uh, I'm going to grad school. Oh my God. I forgot to tell you this, Caitlin. I, I, um, committed oh, to going to grad awesome. school. Yeah. So exciting. Um, so I am going to grad school for library and information science at the university of British Columbia. So, so excited. Yay. Okay. Tell me about you. Okay, so my name is Caitlin. Um, I obviously go to Fordham, but me and Kyla were at different campuses. So she's at Lincoln Center on Moore's Hill. Um, (laughs) I am a junior. I'm an English major and an art history minor. Um, And yeah, that's pretty much it. I'm just a student, nothing else, (laughs) no big future plans right now. So yeah. Yeah, you've you've got time. That's true. Another year. Mm -hmm. I always forget about your art history minor. I know. It's very low-key. Yeah. You don't really bring it up. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> We're very focused on our majors, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Okay. So one, two things that we have in common is that we like to read and we like to write. Mm-hmm. So, And that's kind of what the focus of this podcast is. Yeah. We're just two readers trying to write, <laughs> see where it takes us. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, part of the, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but part of like the reason we wanted to start with, start this was to like motivate our ourselves to start writing um, or just like keep working on writing projects because I – if I don't have someone who's kind of watching over me, if I don't have anything motivating me, then what's to stop me from just like watching TV and reading all of the time? I completely agree. I feel like, yeah, like I'll usually get the idea for something or start something, but it's hard to like keep me going. So having mm-hmm. this as like a motivating factor is good. Yeah. And like there's obviously a connection between reading and writing. I feel like um, there's just a lack of content that maybe, um, forms that connection, um, critically thinking about reading as a way to improve writing. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Okay. So I guess for an, a little more detailed intro to the podcast, um, we'll, we're going to have the pretty much the same structure every week. Um, I don't know. Do you think we should like say it or just like do it? <laughs> um, maybe just we'll just do it. Just get okay. Into it. We'll just we'll just do it. We'll just launch into it, <laughs> and you guys can figure it out for yourself what the structure is. <laughs> um, okay, so let me see. We're going to start with currently reading and writing. 
um, and I'll go first. So this is a little segment where we talk about what we're currently reading, what we're currently writing. So the name is self-explanatory. So I'm currently reading Delilah Green, Doesn't Care. Um, I'm also reading something else, The Only Good Indians, um, which I picked up. Actually, I bought them both in on over spring break. I was visiting um, New Mexico and Arizona, so I wanted to get a good like Native American focused book. So that's the only good Indians. It's a horror kind of, which I don't read like ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really pushing me out outside my comfort zone. Uh, and I, I just forgot to mention it until now because um, I'm not reading it. <laughs> I'm like 20 pages in and I'm like, oh, I'll pick it up tomorrow. But Delilah Green doesn't care. Looks like this. It's a sapphic Ooh. romance. That's cute. Mm-hmm. Isn't it? They're yeah. always like cartoon figures on mm-hmm. the books. I started it last night and – I am 275 pages in. I started at 10 p.m. last night. So (laughs) it's going very quickly. (laughs) Wow. I am liking it so far. I do think, though, that there are some things that annoy me, as there always are. Um, It's the first in, like, a series of three. And it follows Delilah, who grew up with her stepmother and stepsister after her both of her parents died. And she has an icy relationship with both of them. So she goes off to New York City to become a photographer after high school graduation and kind of says, you know, I don't want to see you again. Um, but I think her stepsister wants to see her again. And so when she's getting married, she hires her as the wedding photographer. And she comes back to the small town in Oregon and reunites with um, her stepsister's best friend, uh, Claire. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a relationship between Claire and Delilah. And Claire is a single mother. um, And Delilah has commitment problems. So you can already see the tension there. Mm-hmm. I don't normally read romances with children in the mix because it's not very relatable to mm-hmm. me at this point of, in time. Yeah. Um, so I didn't actually really know that before I picked it up. This was like a buy one, get one 50% off at Barnes & Noble. And <laughs> your face. And um, <laughs> um, I just had to, I just was like, okay, whatever. I'm going to pick yeah. it up. Uh, the kid's not really bothering me, I will say. Okay. Like, the child isn't irritating me. That's fine. Um, it is irritating me that Delilah, who is like, a ch- who acts like a child herself and has never been around children and is just like a commitment phobe and kind of like she's she's prickly you know mm-hmm. um yeah. that she like strikes up an instant connection with this little girl i, I don't know <laughs> it was like what 
Maybe I'm just jealous because I have no ability to talk to children. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, why are you suddenly just the best with children? <laughs> and then I'll just read like a section. Um, let me see of this where they are. Oh, I remember. Um, so Delilah is a photographer and um, Claire is asking her like how she decided she wanted to move on from wedding photography and into like artistic photography. And, um, <laughs> and this is the creepiest thing. Delilah is like, oh, I went back to the town and I saw you wading into a body of water and screaming at the world. And I took photos of you from afar so you didn't see me. And you were essentially my muse. Oh, that's <laughs> to, like, very interesting. Yeah, and to like move my career along. Oh, okay. Um, wait, I'll just read it. I'll just read okay. the little section. Okay. Um, she was looking for inspiration, blah, blah, blah. And Claire said, did you find it? And Delilah says, I did. I found you. Claire visibly flinched, head jerking back a little bit. Me? Delilah nodded and told her how she'd been in town for about a week, and she was walking along the riverbank, trying to work up the courage to go back to New York. And then, suddenly, there was Claire wading into Bright River, up to her knees, fully clothed in a dove gray dress with a lace overlay, shivering in the cold March wind. She'd started screaming. At the sky, the water, the evergreens on the other bank. Delilah lifted her camera and began, began snapping. She got at least a hundred shots, and Claire never saw her, never noticed her shifting behind her, lying on the sandy bank to get different angles. Uh, yeah, so she took the photos of Claire without her consent, and she didn't use them in anything. Like, they were just a source of inspiration. But it's kind of creepy to me nonetheless you know yeah and claire just takes it in a stride she's like flattered and i would be flattered too you know if somebody wanted to take professional style photos of me mm -hmm. but i'd also be super creeped out and yeah. maybe just a little bear you know yeah yeah it's vulnerable um, yeah i mean she was like screaming to the world and I mean, the way they describe the dress made it seem like it wouldn't be one that was good to get wet. <laughs> um, so she yeah. was really like somewhat her dress probably see like that's just crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But in every romance, there's a little bit of you can't analyze it too much. No. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of absurdity to every yeah. romance. You just got to go along with it. Yeah, you got to take it in a stride. Mm -hmm. um, and I do. I do. Like, that's not going to – that one thing isn't going to, like, no, take away. You're still going to enjoy it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can – like like we were saying about reading in a way – in a kind of way that allows you to write better, you know, I can read that and then think maybe more critically about my own writing if I were yeah. to include something a little bit unrealistic. 
So that's my thoughts on um, Delilah Green, Doesn't Care. Um, what about you? What are you currently reading? Um, so currently I am reading The Girl in the Tower by Catherine Arden. This is the second book in the Winter Night Trilogy. Uh, oh, she has it. She's better <laughs> than me. I don't have it. I'm reading it on my iPad. Okay. I actually um, just bought it. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but I think I decided to start reading The Bear and the Nightingale because I think you have it on one of your Goodreads shelves. And I think you liked it, right? You yeah. rated it pretty highly. Yeah. Yeah, it's I think either second or the third is on my favorites show. Okay, maybe yeah. So yeah, that's why I own it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know what I think I was just kind of browsing. I wanted to read a fantasy. I was in the mood and I mm-hmm. saw that on your shelf. And also I've heard good things about it for like so long now. So I just finished The Bear and the Nightingale and I really, really liked it. Um so I decided to jump right into the second one. And I only just started it like this morning. So I'm only like 40, 40-ish pages in. Mm-hmm. But I'm really liking this one also. And I like that it's like a bit, like not a complete, I guess, continuation. Because now we're kind of following different characters. Even though we're going to kind of get the same character from the first book in this one. Um, it's like a little bit of a different kind of setting and stuff. I don't want to yeah. spoil um, but yeah, so do you want to explain what the first one is about? Sure. Um, so the first one follows the main character. Her name is Vasilisa, but they say Vasya. Um, and pretty much she like lives like on the outskirts of like northern Russia, I'd say, like on the edge of the forest. Mm-hmm. And their family isn't like real like nobility or anything but they kind of have a relation to that so their father is like still kind of a powerful man and like maybe even like the lord of like where they live and like the village and everything pretty much you just follow her like from her childhood all the way up until I think probably she's like in her teens when it kind of comes to an end the book um but you just kind of follow her and she has these sort of like, I guess it's like a historical fantasy, magical realism kind of thing. Cause it's set in like historical Russia, but you have these kind of like magical and fantastical elements, especially within like the forest. And like, these are things that only like Vasya and somebody else in the book can see. Um, so that obviously makes it a difficult kind of situation for her when faced with like questions from those in their village and like in the community about, you know, why does she know these things? Why can she do these things? You know, and a lot of like Mm -hmm. skepticism and also like fear um, because it's obviously a very harsh environment that they're living in. Um, So, yeah, but I just, I loved the writing. I loved the setting I love the characters. I, I really loved like everything about this book. It was so good. Yay. So, yeah. I'm so excited. I'm so mm-hmm. glad you liked it. I think yeah. it's not like I don't I don't really know exactly, but I don't think it's super well loved, you know? Mm-hmm. It does yeah. it doesn't get a lot of attention. It doesn't get no. enough. No, no, no. Definitely not. I feel like people who have read it really like it, mm-hmm. but I feel like it's not as popular. 
as other fantasy that I hear about. Um, yeah. I don't know why. I mean, I guess something is like there isn't really a romance going on. I know a lot of people really like that. I mean, I like that in a fantasy. Um, but I think because it didn't have that, it was definitely very refreshing. And like you could focus so much more on so many other elements of the story that made it so like rich. Okay. I, I won't give too much away. Ooh. But the people who don't like it, who read it and don't like it, uh-huh. are beca- if it's branded to them as a romantic fantasy. Okay. So they're going into it thinking it's going to be a romance, like there's going to be a romance, but it's not. Yeah. I mean, okay. It, <laughs> across all three books, there's a little bit of one. Like there's okay. not really one in the first one mm-hmm. at all. Um, I think you might get a little bit more in the okay. second one. And then there's like a little bit more in the third Nothing. one. Okay. But it's definitely not the center of attention. No, no. I'm so glad you liked it. I've never like talked to anyone about this. I also love the setting. Um, yes. And you mentioned it a little bit, but it's set in like Russia in the Middle Ages, I think. And – Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't like Christianity starting to become more of a thing? Yes, yeah. That was like a big part, I feel like, of the first book with the priest and everything coming. Yes, it's so interesting. I love that setting, which actually, this is a good segue <laughs> into what we're currently writing, unless you have anything else to talk about. Um, just one. I guess other thing is um, I'm also listening to the audiobook mm-hmm. of um, also Catherine Arden because I feel like sometimes when I start reading a book, like I need to read like as many books by the author as possible. Mm-hmm. So I'm listening to her audiobook um, for the third book in the Small Spaces Quartet. So it's called dead waters i think okay yes dead waters um or dark waters that's it Mm. dark waters um but this is like a middle grade like kind of spooky scary Mm -hmm. series um i heard about the first one small spaces a little while ago and it just sounded really like fun and like spooky like halloween vibes obviously Mm -hmm. it's not halloween but i was like you know what (laughs) I'm reading her other series, so I'll give this one a go. And it's just fun to listen to, like, as an audiobook. Yeah. And I like doing that, like, reading a physical book and listening to an audiobook at the same time. So, yeah. Yeah. So. Not not at the exact same time, though, right? <laughs> no, no, no. Not, not like I'm reading and listening. <laughs> but, like, I'll switch off. Like, if I'm obviously, yeah. like, doing things, I can listen to my audiobook. And, like, if I'm sitting down at night before going to bed, I'll read my book. Yeah. 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 That's <laughs> I don't know. I was listening to I this is a short tangent. I was listening to Cody Coe's podcast in Insanely Chill. Okay. One from like months ago. And they were talking about how somebody they knew had read a bunch of books and somebody said that oh that person actually a lot of those were audiobooks. And they were merely like not as impressed because they were audiobooks. Oh, I hate that. 
Yeah. And then and then Cody was like, well, he made a joke. He was like, well, it would have been funnier. It would it would be impressive if she was listening and reading at the same time <laughs> and listening to a podcast or like <laughs> juggling all three or whatever. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. he's funny and he said it in a better way. But yeah, <laughs> made me think about that. And mm-hmm. I, I think that podcast episode is what sparked a debate on Bookstagram a couple months ago about whether reading audiobooks is really reading or like listening. Yeah, yeah. I've heard of this like debate and everything. And that's probably true, you know, because he's a very popular figure and everything. So, yeah. Um, But yeah, that debate goes on and on and stuff. But I mean, I think we're clearly on the side that it's reading. (laughs) Yeah. Um. Oh, one other tangent before we move on. Have you read anything by Naomi Novik? Um. Yes, I've read um, Uprooted, and a lot of people compare it to The Bear and the Nightingale. But I read it before reading mm-hmm. Bear and the Nightingale. Um, maybe two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really like it. I couldn't really like get through it to be honest. Actually, now um, you say that, I think we've talked about this. Have we talked about maybe. this? Maybe. I, I Maybe. Because I know that um, I that somebody said that they didn't like Uprooted to me, and I told them to read slash you if it was you. Um, <laughs> I told <laughs> Probably. You're like the only person I talked to books about. <laughs> um, I told you to read Spinning Silver anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I, I still haven't gotten to that, but I think maybe after finishing this series, I'll give that one a go. Yeah. Because, because yeah, I was looking and like there are a lot of people who compare the two books. Um, mm-hmm. And may, maybe I'll like it now. Maybe yeah. I'll like this one. So, yeah, I think a lot of people who didn't like Uprooted do like Spinning Silver. Okay. Um, I was just going to like multitask real quick to see how many stars I gave Spinning Silver. Okay. I gave it three. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So still not great, Mm -hmm. but I do think I enjoyed it. Okay. Um, And I gave Uprooted also three. (laughs) So I'm not very – I really am unstable with my ratings. They they don't mean anything. Yeah. I know. I mean, maybe if I – I think I would have to, like, create a rubric in order for the rating system to actually work. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> but you're kind of a harsher rater, are you? Like, you a don't bit. give I out try- fives. <laughs> no. I usually save my fives for, like, favorites. But yeah. that means I rarely have five stars. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, is this really a favorite? So a lot of stuff gets, like, four stars, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, but there are things that are like four stars where I'm like, like the Bear and the Nightingale, I really, really like. But I'm like, I don't know if it's a favorite. But it's definitely like like ranked higher compared to other books that I've given four stars. So <laughs> so 4.5. Yeah. Or, but I'm always like, I wish they actually had a setting. I know. Where I could be like a half. It's so annoying. Like, I know. Goodreads, that would be so simple. That would be mm-hmm. such a sh- such a simple change. I know. I do think that they've hired a number of user experience designers recently. Oh. So maybe we'll actually get some changes. Hopefully. 
Yeah. I one time on Bookstagram I saw this girl rated a book like totally unironically, I think, um, with two decimal places. So it was like four point three eight. That's hilarious. <laughs> 4.38. <laughs> I was like, what? Oh my God. I commented How did and I, I was up with that. <laughs> I don't know. She had a rubric. Oh my God. Of course. <laughs> That's funny. I commented and I was like, love the rating, girl. <laughs> <laughs> no, but honestly, the like the brightened my day. So mm-hmm. um, okay, so currently writing. Um, I'll just talk about this very briefly because we're in very, very early stages. Um, but I visited Lithuania last fall. Um, we're actually like during the same semester, Kayla and I met while we were studying abroad last semester. Mm-hmm. We met in Cambridge. Don't you think that's so bizarre? Yeah, it is. It's we, weird. Met, we met on a bus in Cambridge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Crazy. Um, but I – so I visited Lithuania and I really loved it. I thought it was so interesting. And you never he- hear about Lithuania, really. Um, I mean, even the capital city, Vilnius, um, which is where I visited, a lot of people haven't really heard of that. And it was beautiful. I had visited Prague just a couple weeks before. And it was also beautiful, but so, so busy. And – Vilnius, there was no one speaking English. I, I, most people could if you talk to them, mm-hmm. but I didn't like as I was walking the streets, I didn't hear anything. So it was just a really cool experience. And I want to write a fantasy novel that is inspired by the history of Lithuania. Um, because at one point, I mean, I think now – don't fact check me on this. I've done a little bit of reading. I still have a lot more to do. But they were one of the last holdouts um, in terms of Christianity. So paganism lasted like the longest of anywhere in Europe and Lithuania. Oh, wow. That's very interesting because I had no idea. Yeah. And it like was a grand duchy. So there was no like king. It was the grand duke was the head, which I think I had heard of that, but I really don't know much about it. Um, so anyway, that's all to say the book will not be like, unlike the girl in the tower and the bear and the nightingale, which we were just talking about, that's very explicitly set in, um, Russia, um, during a, like a era of Russian, Russian history. Um, and if I do create a novel out of Lithuanian history, it'll be inspired by it, not set, because I can only do so much research before yeah. I just need to write. Mm-hmm. So, That's true. Um, and I have more like ideas, but um, my next step is to get a book from the library, read more about it, and see if any inspiration strikes. So that's where I'm at. Oh, love the idea. Love the plan. <laughs> yes. Very loosely formed plan. <laughs> it's beginning stages. It is. It is. <laughs> what about you? Are you working on anything? Um, I feel like I'm starting to. Mm. I don't really have anything concrete yet. Um, but I do think with starting the podcast and everything, 
I've been more inspired lately. Yeah. Um, but I guess I'm just like still figuring out what kind of genre I want to focus on. Mm-hmm. Um, because like the only story ever idea that I ever had was like in high school, I had a fantasy story idea. Um, and I was like really into that, but like, I haven't gone back to that in like years. Um, but I guess when I've kind of come up with like stories now, it's mostly just like short stories, mm-hmm. um, and not like anything fantasy, but it's like, if I write a book, do I want it to be fantasy or do I not? So I guess I'm just, I don't know. Cause I don't read fantasy all that often here mm-hmm. and there I do. Um, so I'm like, I don't know if I should, if like, that's not the thing that I'm reading the most or like loving the most. Yeah. But I do feel that when I was like working on that one idea that it was like fantasy, I really loved it. Like I loved creating and just completely like making everything up and imagining and such. So I don't know yet. Yeah. What genre do you think you read the most often? Mm, That's tricky. I feel like maybe just like, oh, I don't know. Like definitely fiction because I don't read that much nonfiction. Yeah. Um, but I feel like I read a mix of like historical fiction, like thrillers, and then also like just like dark drama filled, like coming of age kind of fiction books. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Um, yeah. So yeah. So like something like that would be the alternative to fantasy. Probably, yeah. Okay. Well, I've been very inspired by author events recently um, since, you know, I live in Manhattan. Um, Kaylin lives in Long Island, so Mm -hmm. we're a little bit further out. But I am, like, blocks away from one of the biggest Barnes & Nobles in um, the United States. And um, they hold a number of author events when authors launch books, so – I just recently met Samantha Shannon for the launch of A Day of Fall and Night. And that was really great. By the way, did you pick up your book from Barnes Noble? No, because I haven't gotten to the city. Okay. I hope they kept it for you. They they did send me an email and they were like, oh, we'll, we'll hold it for you. Okay. And I'm like, how long are you going to hold it? So maybe I should email them back and see. Yeah, probably. I Well, when I was leaving, um, by the way, for reference, Caitlin was supposed to go to the event with me, but she couldn't make it. Um, yeah. But I was leaving. I asked them if I could, like, take it to you. Um, what did I they assume they, they said no. <laughs> they were like, I was trying to get a second book. Yeah. <laughs> I assume they would say no, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. but I was like, what if I showed you a screenshot? No. They were like, no. <laughs> which valid in New York city. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like people I do agree. anything. Mm-hmm. Of course. Um, but they did get a sign for you. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, we should move on. <laughs> Um, to the next segment, which is about book news. Um, so normally we, I think normally we'll talk about two or three kind of pieces of news in the publishing 
industry and um, pretty much any anything related books. Um, but this time we only have one since we're doing introductions. It just seemed more natural to kind of start off slow. So the I kind of came across the story on YouTube. The Wall Street Journal came out with a video um, early March called Why Barnes & Noble is Copying Local Bookstores It Once Threatened. And I watched it. It was a short video. Highly recommend if you want, if you're interested. Um, and it was about the history of Barnes & Noble very slightly, but really about their new strategy that they're putting in place. Um, they have been putting in place the last couple of years and even more so in 2023. Um, but I mean, before Amazon, Barnes & Noble was taking independent bookstores out of business left and right. The video referenced um, the movie You've Got Mail. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. I love that movie. It's such a good movie. Oh, it's so cute. And I do think it is like kind of explicitly referencing Barnes & Noble. Yeah. Um, but if you're not familiar, it's oh, it's just the best rom-com with mm-hmm. Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. And Tom Hanks works for a Barnes Noble type place. Yeah. It's called Fox and Sons. Mm-hmm. And Meg Ryan works for an independent bookstore and, and they're at odds. Um, it's just so great. But I mean, Barnes Noble really did do that. I don't know if it's like the way you think about it now, it's not really still doing that. It seems like the local bookstores who are still open um, have been open for a long time. And so they've kind of managed to be able to survive. Yeah. But, um, and then um, they reached, Barnes & Noble reached its peak in 2007, um, and it has since lost 125 stores. So they hired a new person. His name is James Daunt in order to kind of recover um, the space that they had lost. Um create a new marketing strategy strategy. So James Daunt is the founder of Daunt Books and he is so-called responsible for saving Waterstones, which is the Barnes & Noble type chain in the UK. <laughs> and I'm just thinking about how anybody in the UK who listens to this and hears me called Waterstones, Barnes & Noble-ish, Barnes & Noble type, they're going to be like, no, it's the other <laughs> way around. <laughs> um, but Waterstones, like, you've been in it. Like, yeah. it did remind me of Barnes & Noble a lot. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Um, but he turned Waterstones around by implementing the strategy that they are now implementing at Barnes & Noble which is to um, stop massive promo campaigns imposed by publishers. I don't really know what that looks like in practice, I must Mm -hmm. say. I wasn't aware that publishers were pushing promo campaigns on Barnes & Noble to begin with. Um, But the two more important things that the strategy involves is moving Barnes & Noble into smaller spaces um, and giving the store managers much more autonomy than that they used to have. So store managers can choose the books to fit the, fit the needs of the local community. Um, and then I'm just going to quote 
something from an article, um, the Wall Street Journal, actually. A recently opened store in Riverhead, New York, features full-height bookshelves arranged in a layout that is more analogous to an independent bookstore maze than the supermarket-style layout of the chain's standard big-box locations. Um, Quote, it creates a completely different browsing experience, says Mr. Daunt, who founded and still owns an independent bookstore group in his native UK. It is a sharp turn from the company's previous strategy when executives pushed open big stores that were crammed with books and staffed with the cheapest labor possible. Um, It was running really bad bookstores that were dull, unengaged, and dispirited, Mr. Daunt said. If you do that, your sales go down by a lot, and you end up having to close stores. So, I mean, it makes sense why the video is called Why Barnes Noble is Copying Local Bookstores at Once Threatened, because they're downsizing, essentially, and um, making sure that store managers get to choose the books that they're um, stocking, which is what local bookstores just do by default. Um, so that's kind of like the the summary, and I don't know what your take is, Caitlin, but I will start. I <laughs> I mean, I, I I feel guilty when I shop at Barnes and Noble. I do. I still do <laughs> occasionally <laughs> because it's really the only chain bookstore still standing or the largest chain bookstore still standing. I used to have a books a million when I grew up and that's gone. And I think you can be in any, because the stores look all essentially the same. You can be in any city in the country visiting a Barnes Noble and it'll transport you to a place that you're familiar with and comfortable in. Mm -hmm. And that's only more, so true because it's a bookstore because you're surrounded by books and if you're there you're probably a reader and um books themselves are comforting to you i so although i i I like to visit which then leads to me buying books and i always feel guilty because it doesn't support a local business but i buy them regardless because they're normally cheaper um and this is here's a little a piece of advice (laughs) Tidbit, a Uh friend told me a couple weeks ago, Barnes & Noble price matches to their website. And their website, the books on their websites are normally on sale, not websites, plural. But the books on their website are normally on sale for like a dollar or two cheaper than they are in stores. So when you go up to the register, tell them to price match your books to the Barnes & Noble website and it'll get Uh you a couple dollars off. I never knew this. Yeah, that's a little tidbit. But um, I buy them because they're a little bit cheaper. And I don't know, Barnes & Noble seems a little bit better to me than Amazon. That's – I don't know (laughs) where I'm getting that from. Okay. No, I agree with you there. (laughs) Okay. I do. Um, And also because I can trust that Barnes & Noble probably has the book that I want. You know, and I can go online and check really quick to see if it's in stock. Yeah. I don't have to call an independent bookstore to ask. Um, as an introvert, that's I don't want to do that. <laughs> no. 
So that's why I do buy from there, but I don't ever feel good about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just bought three books from there the other day. So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) For the reasons I just said, there was a buy one, get one 50% Mm -hmm. off. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it does seem kind of stupid. Like if – not stupid. (laughs) I'm not calling James Don stupid. Um. But if it does do this, I wonder if it'll take away some of the attractiveness of Barnes & Noble. Yeah. Yeah, I do. But but yeah, I I do agree about feeling guilty and everything. But I think I'm becoming like feeling less guilty because mm-hmm. I feel like I've noticed um, how much like Amazon is changing like our society and stuff like that, just driving around where I live, stores mm-hmm. are closing down, you know, Bed Bath and Beyonds and stuff like that, you know, because people can get all of those things on Amazon and it's so easy to just pull out your phone or your laptop and like mm-hmm. order something. Um, and especially I know for books, I mean like tons of the books that I've had to get for school, like on short notice, I'll go on there and like usually I get them used anyways. So they're super cheap. Um, Mm -hmm. but I'm just, I'm noticing like how much it's changing the way that we live. And like, I fear that, you know, that's going to be the only thing, you know, and like all these stores and like kind of these shopping centers, like are going to disappear. Um, so if I can go to, you know, any kind of bookstore and like make that experience like more personal, you know, like I love going to a bookstore. And like, if it's Barnes and Noble, that's, that's, you know, that's becoming more okay for me, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. Cause even if you're not like supporting a local business, you are supporting like an in-person physical book buying experience. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That makes sense. Do you think, do you think it'll work the strategy? I mean, I just to preface that they are for the first time in a long time, opening more bookstores this year for 2023 than they're closing. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. But that also could be from just the pandemic. You know, I haven't really noticed a difference. Yeah. Has this new strategy already been put in place? Well, so he, James Daunt came on to the company in 2019. Okay. And I think he's been implementing it ever since he joined Barnes & Noble. Okay. Um, so it has been a little bit, but I think, yeah, I mean, the recent press around the strategy is because Barnes Noble announced that they're opening more stores than they're closing. Okay. So, but I think it has been in place for a little bit. I haven't yeah. noticed. I don't know if no. you have. I guess I'm. I'm sure the pandemic, like, had a play in all of this mm-hmm. with people not going out at all. I mean, that's probably also why, like, more Barnes and Nobles were closing down in the last two years, I guess, compared to like now with things being more open and people being more comfortable and such. Yeah. Um, maybe they're, they're really starting to, I don't know, maybe put more of like an effort, more of a change into this strategy and stuff, just causing mm-hmm. these. But I think, I think this could work. I mean, I don't think it's going to be drastic or anything, <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> you know, anything is better than nothing, I guess. Do you think it seems a little bit like, I mean, everything about corporations mm. is unethical. <laughs> yeah, that's true. 
<laughs> but it seems a little bit unethical that, as Wall Street Journal says, they're taking on the strategies of the businesses that they're trying to push out. I mean, it's not surprising. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. But it's not good to hear. <laughs> no. So. I mean, <laughs> the like they should be in business because they offer something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, I, I do think, like like you said, I mean, the pandemic made a huge difference. Yeah. And I mean, that's a whole nother topic is the influence of book talk. Mm-hmm. on Barnes & Noble and on the book buying industry. Definitely. But we don't need to get into that today. You no, know, we can save that for another another episode. Yeah. Neither of us are on book talk, so. No. Kaylin's <laughs> <laughs> not on social media at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> We're you social media free. Me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so – Let's move on. We've already been recording for like 45 minutes. (laughs) So the last little segment that we have is just writing recommendations. And I feel like you need to start by saying that we are not professional writers. (laughs) We're just figuring out stuff (laughs) as it comes. (laughs) I have like – I mean, I most of what I write is for school and like most the purpose of this podcast is to do more than that. So when I recommend things, I'm really recommending it from like what I've heard from others and just like another source to share that and things that I've just found by, you know, Googling and trying to <laughs> motivate myself in different ways. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, I'm sure you agree, Caitlin, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Mine is just anything that I discover that'll make me write more mm-hmm. um, and do everything else less is a plus. Yeah, definitely. And mm-hmm. I'm severely addicted to TV right now. <laughs> so <laughs> that's hard. That's what I, I would have talked about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I – I'm going to start by just um, doing a very like hard resource for you to be able to access if you're looking for more motivation. And that would be Readsy Prompts. Read, R-E-E-D-S-Y Prompts. Um, this is a website I found a couple months ago. And every week on Friday – Um, If you join their newsletter, they email you, I think, five-ish prompts, um, and you can write a short story inspired by those prompts, and every week you can upload and enter a different writing contest um, for the chance to win, I think it's $250. Wow. Yeah. So I think on their website, what does it say? It says something – funny um that they're like probably the biggest um short story contest okay join parentheses probably the world's largest writing contest (laughs) i like the probably (laughs) yeah they're like we're not fact checking this (laughs) 
<laughs> but I I did write a short story when I found this and I didn't actually enter because it's so intimidating to upload yeah. your writing to the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like not too many people enter. I think like a couple hundred people enter every week. Oh, so you have a good chance. Yeah, it's win. not it's not the lottery. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, and there's like a leaderboard of people who have won the most. Oh wow. hmm It's like a game. Um <laughs> so I I would recommend if you know you want to start with short stories as a way to get into writing. I personally don't think short stories are my route. I don't think I'm a short story girl. Um, I don't enjoy reading them. So it's not much of a surprise that I don't enjoy writing them. Um, but yeah, so that is my little wreck. Read the prompts. Do you have I like anything? that. Um, yes. I guess my wreck is pretty self-explanatory, um, mm. but kind of what we were talking about before. Just limiting like screen time, I guess. Um, I mean, I already said like I don't really have social media. I have like Pinterest and Visco, which I'll go on sometimes. Yeah. But besides that, nothing really. Um, so it's not really my phone that's taking up a lot of my time. But I feel like since the pandemic and like leaving high school, like I've just watched so much TV and movies. And like not that that's a bad thing. Because I do get a lot of inspiration and like ideas from mm. the shows and movies that I see. I mean, I love TV shows and movies. I do. <laughs> um, but I do like, you know, with just like the accessibility of like having a laptop or an iPad or something and like streaming services that we have, it's so easy to just like watch something at any time of the day. I mean, yeah. like, there have been times I've been at school and like I'm in the library. I'm like, I'm going to watch an episode of my show. Then I'm, I'm like yeah. in the library. I'm like, what am I doing? Or, like literally like first thing in the morning too. If like I'm having a lazy morning, I'll just, I'm like, I'm going to watch an hour episode. Really? And, yeah. I've done that I before. I haven't done that in a while. It's not, and it's like, it's not something I want to keep doing. Yeah. You know, like I don't want to put down TV movies and stuff like that but like I do want to create a better like schedule and routine like Mm -hmm. limiting it to like only at night or like Mm -hmm. only on the weekends like I used to do that in high school when I had a very busy schedule with like sports and stuff like that going on I was like if I allow myself to like watch anything I'm not gonna get my homework done so I wouldn't watch anything until the weekend came along um and I feel like I've lost that like sense of structure um, with being in college. So I'm trying to get back to that. And I, it's, I feel like it's hard because it's so easy to like watch something instead of like reading something or writing. Mm -hmm. Um, but I know like it would make me feel so much better to, to read, you know, not even write all the time, but just even to read, because I know I get a lot more like ideas and inspiration from reading. Yeah. Um, So yeah. This is so like counterproductive, but what are you watching right now? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what am I watching? Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm watching Daisy Jones and the Six. Oh, this, that is actually related to books though. That's true because I read that book twice and I love it. Really? Yeah, I do. 
Oh my God. Mm-hmm. I actually have to read it again for a book club that I'm doing. Oh. And I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> Did you, you didn't like it? I, or you were like iffy about it? I didn't love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember what I rated it. Yeah. <laughs> not like it matters because <laughs> that's all over the place. But yeah. I remember just, I, I read it pretty quickly, but the social dynamics of the group made me uncomfortable okay. as, as they're supposed to, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I just don't enjoy feeling on edge and on, uncomfortable when I'm reading. Okay. And it did, it made me feel that way. Yeah. Which Definitely. the author might see as a success. And if so, you know, congrats to her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you're enjoying the TV show? I haven't watched it. Yeah. So. I, okay. I'm really enjoying it. And they come out with like a few episodes every Friday. Yeah. So it's like I'll watch a few and it's like, it's like just enough mm. um, where it's not like the whole thing all at once. And something that I'm really liking is like the music, because obviously in the book, you just get like the lyrics written out, but I don't really know how the songs go, but like Mm -hmm. they actually are like singing them. And like, there's a whole album on Spotify and it's like, it's just so cool. Yeah. Like this author wrote these songs and like, now they're like, you're seeing them performed and you can listen to them. So yeah, I like that. I have a heard I have heard a couple of the songs and they are really good. Like they'll just pop up on my Spotify. Um, You're good. And I, like, you regret me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I was listening to it on the car ride home today, the whole album. Oh, really? It's so good. It's good. Um, I'm genuinely so impressed by Taylor Jenkins Reid that she could just write those lyrics. Yeah. I mean, she she can do everything. She's an author, a songwriter. She's, I Mm -hmm. think, a producer on the show. Really? Yeah. I need to stop saying really. (laughs) (laughs) um yeah sorry (laughs) um i think i was just gonna say in the credits and stuff i see her name pop up Mm -hmm. for the show so i'm guessing she's a producer of some sort okay working on it have you read her latest one her latest book yeah it's like a gold book um oh um that one is like uh carrie soto is back i think yeah. I think it's like a little bit of a continuation of Malibu, Malibu Rising. Rising. Yeah. I read Malibu Rising, and then I think this latest one is like following one of the characters. Yeah. I liked Malibu Rising. Um, I wouldn't say as much as I liked Daisy Jones Mystic, but I still liked it. I'm interested mm-hmm. in reading this this new one, Carrie Soto is Back, um, yeah. to kind of see what it's about. But yeah. Yeah. I My favorite was Seven Husbands. I still have to read that. I have it, and pe- people love that one. I just haven't gotten around to it, but I know I need to. Yeah, it's the best, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed Malibu Rising, but not nearly as much. And I don't know if I'll read Carrie Soto. Whenever authors reach this height of fame, you know, I immediately just kind of back away. <laughs> no, that's me too. Like when things are too popular – Mm-hmm. That's like also why I'm like, did I want to share Daisy Jones and the Six? I know it's probably very popular, but I'm like, I don't want more people to be watching this. It's <laughs> like I want to be the only one. <laughs> yeah, I want to be the one who found it. 
Um, I'm watching True Blood. <laughs> Just totally oh. out of the blue. Where are you watching that? HBO Max. Okay. I'm on like – I think I'm on the fifth season. Oh, wow. Um, it's so weird in the best way. I think and my mom watched it like when it was like on and stuff TV, but yeah. Really? That's kind of like a surprising thing for a mom to watch. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> it's very HBO you mm-hmm. know there's a lot yeah. of sex <laughs> a lot of drugs mm. <laughs> a lot's going on there actually technically this podcast um so that we can curse and say ever say anything that we want <laughs> I think I marked it as explicit oh damn but we're okay <laughs> so <laughs> she curses there we go <laughs> <laughs> Um, just so you know. <laughs> just so you're aware. Also, I think True Blood is based on books, so it does somehow connect. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it is. It's, like, based – I don't think the book is, like, called True Blood, um, but it's a long uh-huh. series um, just, like, that inspired the TV show. Oh. <sighs> Not me yawning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I guess that's our cue. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. I Yeah. That's episode number one. Woo. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> <laughs> episode number one of Two Readers Tackle Writing. Yay. Yay. Okay. Well, thank you so much for listening. Yes. Um, thank you. To all those zero listeners out there we appreciate you <laughs> so much <laughs> um caitlin does not have any social media as we've covered Mm-mm. but i do <laughs> so i'm gonna plug that um mm-hmm. and i will contribute to our um instagram for the podcast yay so yeah. make sure you follow that yes yeah it's called two readers podcast mm-hmm. Um, just on Instagram. And then my Instagram is the antsy reader. And if you liked this episode, go ahead and give it a rating. And thank you again. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>